Bless the name of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I mean 1, we ain't there yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 10 through 17. I'll read the first clause, you guys keep going. I appeal to you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree, keep going. Amen. 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 I want to talk about today community and unity. Y'all should have said amen real loud on that part. Community and unity. They go both hand in hand. Father, we stretch our souls out towards you as you form us into a gospel community, a community of the Holy Spirit, community on mission, a community of discipleship, a community being conformed to your image. And so, God, I, I pray today that uh, you, would, you would teach us as a church how to continue in unity. I'm encouraged by so many things that you're doing here in this season. I'm blown away uh, by what you're doing in this season. It's, it's a Holy Ghost thing what you're up to in the lives of people and the type of ministry coming out from a little corner on 17th and Diamond. However, God, we have to we have to talk about everything that the council says, the entire council of God. We, we want to make sure that we invaluably in, 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 in talk about the nature of everything that, and every word that you say. Because Christ said, before heaven and earth will pass away before any jot or tittle of the word of God will ever pass away. And so, God, I pray today that you will, you will be with us. Help there to be an embodiment as this teaching and preaching going forth and, and, and some things that need to hit us in and out of season. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that said? Everybody agree with that said? Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, we, we're in our series on uh, 1 Corinthians, and so we go through book studies so that we force ourselves to be in the entire counsel of God. Amen, somebody. And in other, in other words, in other words you, you, it, it's sometimes in verse-by-verse studies, what you want to do is you, you want to not be in a place <laughs> where you're ignoring, where you're ignoring anything that God says. It's very, very difficult to do that. I like topical expositions, but I also uh, like to go through uh, uh, the Word of God line by line through books. And one of the things that, 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 that is very, very important for you to know as a congregant and, and, and a disciple of Jesus Christ is that there, there, there are a lot of different types of messages, but you can boil them down to two. 
And, and, and there are two types of sermons. There are intervening sermons, means something's going on and there's a need for an intervention based on God to realign us as a people with something that is under him. Amen, somebody. But then there are preventative messages that, that you may not be there yet, but you get a word. See, see, see the word in seasons, those are the good ones. But the ones you got to hold on to is the words that the not yet seasons. I'm by myself. And so, because you want to be able to have a repertoire. Being a disciple doesn't mean you get a word for you in that moment every week. It's, that's, not what the, that's not what the gathering is about. It's about that as well. But, but, but being a disciple more is about being prepared for where you're going to be versus where you are right now. And, 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 and so that's what I sense this, this word is going to be like today, more, more of a, a preventative word for the church, not for merely you as an individual. So don't dial out because you're going through something hard and you need a word. Every message every Sunday can't be about somebody going through something or we won't go anywhere biblically. I'd rather teach you how to be consistent with Jesus in the midst of going through all of that versus just every week telling you you're going through hell and trying to encourage you out of it. Sometimes you need pre preparation to know how to not just get from Sunday to Sunday, but to walk with him from Monday to Saturday. I wish I had some help right there. And, 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 so, and, so, in light, and so in light of that, um, uh, today our message kind of reminds me of when my son was at a, another school in the city. And he was, I think his kindergarten, first grade, I can't remember, but they had, they had the tournament. They had a little class tournament. You know, all the school, all the grades had their tournaments, and each class of the same grade uh, fought against each other in a particular tournament. And so, and so, and so at, at this point in time, uh, they, they're doing the tug-of-war one, you know, and in the middle is a mess in the middle, you know, uh, uh, that everybody's kind of trying to avoid it. At, you know, that age, you really don't avoid mud that much. So winning is kind of relative for first graders as it relates to that. But, 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 but anyway, they're in the tug of war and they're pulling and they're going to heave, hove, and the other side of the class is going over and they're going back and forth. Then the guy in the front of my son's line decides that they're not pulling hard enough. So he decides that he's going to turn towards his team and start pulling away from them. Now, in his mind, he believes that he's pulling against the other team. But he's on the same side as my son in his whole class, yet pulling against them, think he's actually pulling for him, which is causing them to lose even though they're on the same side. Wish I had some help right there. And many of us in the church uh, think we're pulling with the church, but in, in, in all actuality, we're pulling against the church. And, 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 so, and so God wants us to be challenged as a people to be unified. Somebody say unified. Unified, it is extreme, it's of great importance that, that we begin thinking through what it means to be unified and, and how to bring, everybody has an agenda, but we have to bring our agendas up under the one divine agenda, and that's God's agenda through Jesus Christ. And, and, and it reminds me sort of when we first were purchased in the building, and we were, we were, we were in here, and it was different ministries in here. And, and for, for us, and, and the ministries that were in this facility, we looked at it in a way where we was like, oh, we got space to use, praise God. But for the community looking at us, we look like a bunch of weirdos. Because they're like, why are y'all the same church, part of that one body thing that y'all talk about, but it's 15 of y'all meeting in, 15 different 
ministries meeting in the building, the unity that you say you have and the oneness that you say you have is weird to me because y'all keep sharing the gospel with me from different groups. So I don't know who's following me up at what point in time. I, you know, I don't really know what's going on. And so many times from the, uh, from the world standpoint, we're disunified. One of the things we said when we got the building, we said we love y'all and all of that, everybody, but we pay your first month's rent wherever you go, but we're going to transition the facility to be viewed as one local body so that there's not missiological confusion as, the beep, as people outside the church uh, deal with their stuff. But, but, but in order for the church to, to, to do what it's supposed to do in relation to reflecting the glory of Christ in the world is that we have to be unified as a body. And, 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 and as we're being unified as a body and being developed as a body, there's so many different things that God can work us through. Interestingly enough, throughout the book of Corinthians, to be honest, the root issue in the church at Corinth is disunity. The, all, of their, all of their theological issues and all of their practical issues mount up to the fact that the church is not unified. In the, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about community division, which we're talking about today. Then in the other coming weeks, we're going to talk about relational divisions. We're going to talk about socioeconomic divisions. In other words, you don't make no money like me, so even though in Christ, we're not going to be with one another. Theological divisions, we'll talk about that a little bit. Worship, div- worship divisions. You know, I like this style, I like that style, and unless it's this style, I won't worship. Um, that's a whole nother, nother, nother. Marital divisions, silence. All right. Um, the, 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 one, one week, we're going to talk about sexual divisions. That's not going to be the title. Y'all got real quiet on that. What you going to talk about there, Pastor? That sounds interesting. Sexual divisions? Come back. Come back. Come back in Jesus' name. Um, authoritative divisions and ordinance divisions. I mean, there's so many things in the book of Corinthians that's rooted in division. And so as we come here to this section, Paul gets right out of his salutation. I told you, he talks real nice to them from verses 1 to like 9. And he's like, y'all in Christ, I love y'all, brothers and sisters, sanctified for him. Y'all got some crazy gifts. Y'all crazy gifted. Now, then it's like he digs in, he puts his feet down and starts swinging blows, which brings us to our first point. If we're going to walk in community and unity, we, 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 number one, have to fight for unity. Number one, we have to fight for unity. Paul begins here and he says, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I like the fact that he says, I appeal. That word appeal is strong language. <clears throat> it's strong language. It's, it's, it's almost like the same language that uh, 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 he uses in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And, and what's, what's phenomenal about the idea of what he's kind of walking us through with that is he's talking about, I'm about to talk about something extremely serious. And, and, and I want you to put your mind in that. Just like he says in Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And so, and so he's bringing up something of, of, of great importance that the church needs to zoom in on and be engaged by. Are you trekking with me? And, and, but, but not only does he say, I appeal to you, he tells you who he is appealing to. He's appealing to brothers. Now, exegetically, this doesn't mean that it's only speaking to men. It, it, it's, it's, it's neutral, so, so it means it's speaking to both men and women. So he said, I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, it can be translated. Now, why does he tell them brothers instead of anything else right here? Because before he even talks to them about this, he wants to appeal to them as a family unit. 
he, he wants to appeal to them for a family unit because he wants them to remember that they're on the same team. As a matter of fact, they're a family. I, I, like, I, I remember when I first uh, trusted Christ as Savior and started walking with the Lord and got my call to mention, I went into this traditional uh, uh, a Baptist church and, and they, everybody was brother something, sister something. You know, brother, 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 sister Diane, bro, you know, sister, you know, Renata, brother Nyron, you know, brother, brother, brother Mobley. Everybody was brother, sister. I used to be like, well, you know, it used to be weird. Everybody was a title, reverend, minister, brother, uncle, cousin, somebody had a title. <laughs> But what I loved about what I loved about that brother sister title is it almost was their attempt to continue to help the church to emphasize that we are a familial community. And in being a familial community that we're not just people who gather in a building for an event every week, but we're actually blood bought and brought practice and blood is thicker than water. So you can't say that about Christians no more. That we'll just say Christ's blood is thicker than man's blood. That's a whole nother sermon. I, I, that needs to be a sermon title. Christ's blood, that's good right there. Somebody help me out. Write that down, baby. Um, <clears throat> that's good right there. But, 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 but the blood of Christ is the thickest blood that ever exists. And therefore, because God is our Father and Jesus is our elder brother, it's interesting throughout the New Testament that Paul always employs familial language to describe, listen, our need to be unified. And, 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 and one of the things that, I, you know, what's beautiful about the terminology of home church is, is, is it kind of when you hear home church, home church was always that place that you, you kind of were nurtured in and that when you left, you love the preacher, you love the word, you love all that. But it was the people that you were connected to that made it a home church. What makes a home church a home church is your connection to the people that you're around that when you leave it, it feels like your heart was ripped out. That's when you know you had a home church. And, 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 so, and so Paul is utilized, and that comes from that familial theology, that kind of familial interaction with, with, with the people of God are to have on some particular level. And he's appealing to them on that level to help them to wrought unity. Now, he, go, he, he not only says, I appeal to you brothers, but then, or brothers and sisters, he says, I appeal to you in the name. Now, see, when he, see, this is, this is Jesus' eternal government name. Now, let me just explain something to you right here. When my, when, when, when my mama said, Eric, come here, uh, you know, that, that's level one. When she said, Eric, Come here. That's a warning. That's a yellow light. Now, when she says, Eric, Matthew, Mason, I knew that it wasn't a red light. It was a 911. <laughs> and because of that, I needed to answer. In other words, that full government name mean I needed to respond because something was about to break loose, a.k.a. me. And so, and so, and Paul invoking the eternal government name of Jesus Christ, he said, I beseech you or I appeal to you in the name of the, that's his first name, Lord, second first name, Jesus, first part of it, Jesus Christ, his last, Jesus Christ is his last name. Some of y'all don't believe that it is. And he put in his entire name to invoke who Jesus Christ is in the relationship that they have with one another. In other words, if you don't like nothing else, you should like the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I had some help right there. In, in other words, and I, I don't care where you are <coughs> or what your issue is, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if you're blood-bought, yeah. 
should have an issue in you that draws you and pushes you closer to listening to what's being said. And so Paul invokes that reality for us to help us to see clearly and effectively what we need to see in relation to our familial community. I like the way Bonhoeffer says it. Bonhoeffer says, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable, incomparable rather, joy and strength to the believer. He said, the believer feels no shame, though he or she were still living too much in the flesh, when he or she yearns for the physical presence of other Christians. And so believers who don't like being around other believers concern me. So he's pushing familial attachment um, to the people of God. That's why somebody tell me they're taking a break from the church. I get lost. How do you take a break from the church? Take a break. Anyway, that's a whole nother sermon. But the, after he says, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, it's interesting. He, 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 says, I, he says that all of you agree. <clears throat> now, this, this, is, this is helpful for us because now he, 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 he it, 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 it literally means that, that, that you all, that, that you all say the same thing. Now, that doesn't mean that we're clones, okay? That's not what it's talking about. Um, because he'll talk in chapter 12 about us being unique individual parts. But he wants there to be agreement among the people of God. And so this doesn't mean that the people of God are clones, but that the commonality that they have in Jesus Christ is viable enough for them to be on the same page. So the church, we're called to be on the same page with one another. That's why we have core values. Okay? That's why we have a mission statement of core values. Showing off the glory of Christ in every area of life through Christocentrism, commitment, community, conversions, and culturally relevant ministry. Why do we do that? Because we want to take the multivitamin pill of the whole breath of Scripture and dump it into a value system based on the Scriptures so that we can have a common way of making sure that we have agreement with God and one another. <clears throat> so therefore, because of that, it helps us to work through and walk through why we're here. It blows my mind how many believers don't know why they're here. See, see, for us as believers, we're, we're called to know why we're here and agree on why we're here. Be, 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 because, because you better know why you're here and you better agree with what has been said. Now, what is he talking about we agree on? We are to agree on <clears throat> everything that Jesus said and that Jesus gave to the apostles, that the apostles gave to the apologists, that the apostles, uh, the, the, uh, the apologists gave to the theologians, then the theologians uh, 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 gave to those in, in those in Northern Africa, spread it out through Asia and from Asia to Europe and then from Europe uh, back down to Africa and then over uh, into what these, the, the, I like the way the old dudes used to say, the so-called United States. Um, uh, 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 I used to like when Michael Max said that, these so-called United States, I used to like that. But, but, but then... Um, but, but then, but then oh, and then it spread down. In other words, this is handed, handed down agreement of things that we should think and believe and should react and walk in in light of what God has put forth. There must be agreement on it. There are closed-handed things. There are open-handed things. We're okay. We don't, dis we don't, listen, we don't get disenfranchised relationally over open-hand stuff, but we do have issues after closed-handed stuff. People have issues with those. So he said, I want you all to agree with one another. And, 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 and and what he, what he begins to say to kind of really, really help us with this reality is he says that there be no divisions among you. Now, the word divisions here is an interesting sort of, sort of terminology here. The word divisions is the word we get schisms from, our word schisms from. 
or were schisms. And, 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 and this, this, this word uh, means the condition of being divided based on conflicting aims and objectives. Figuratively, it means doctrinal differences or divided loyalties uh, within a group, a division based on opinion and discord. You know, most of the New Testament, a lot of the New Testament has embedded in it issues of the church. Almost every New Testament book talks about division. Jesus talks about division. When they begin saying he cast out demons by the spirit of Beelzebub, he said a house divided cannot stand. Didn't he say that? Uh, uh, when, when, you, when, you, when you look at the Philippian church, he said think the same thing. As a matter of fact, God takes division so seriously that in Proverbs chapter 6, he says there are, there are uh, six things that I hate, seven of which are an abomination. The last thing that he mentions in, that, in, 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 the, in, in those things is he says, one, he said, I hate people. He didn't say, I hate the sin, I hate the person. He said, I hate those. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's, that, that's a whole nother sermon because we've divided the two. But the Bible says, he said, I hate those who cause discord among intimate friends. Why does he hate people that causes discord amongst intimate friends? Because in eternity past, guess what the, devil's, guess what the devil did in eternity past? He caused there to be division in heaven. And that division in heaven caused, caused division among intimate angels. Two-thirds of them dipped up out of heaven. And ever since then, God has been hating those who do that. So believers who function that way walk in a functional, not that God doesn't love us, but, but, but there's a sense in which God hates discord. God hates it when people, I, I, in the name of self-ambition, attempt uh, uh, to, in other words, these two people are walking in harmony because it's intimate friends, the text says. And then this person has their own agenda, wants to get in between it and cause discord. God says he hates that. Now, I know that don't happen in Philadelphia or at Epiphany Fellowship or in your life with no churches like that. But God says he hates it. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 16, I'm just calling a roll on it. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18 talks about a, 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 a hatred of discord and causing those who are naive, who don't know as much theology and are greatly rooted in theology and in Christ for people to talk to them in order to drag them away from simplicity of devotion to Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11 verses 1 through 3 says the same thing over in Titus chapter 3 verses 8 through about the 11th verse says those who cause division amongst the people want them once, want them twice, at the third time have nothing to do with them. In other words, division is a destructive force in the church. So there's a great need for us to, 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 to begin to think through and engage our role in fighting for unity. You know, I remember I was watching, you know, I'm a, I'm a Redskins fan. I don't care what y'all say. Love the Redskins. They're my boys. Be quiet. Um, and I, I can remember one, I can't remember when the game was. But man, the dudes was playing so bad one time that it seemed like they were, oh yeah. <laughs> Remind me to put him under church discipline for that. <laughs> they were playing so bad, I, I thought they were playing for another team. I said, just change jerseys, dog. Just, just, change, just pull it off, put, go to the sideline, put on another jersey, and y'all just all be offense the whole time, working, helping the other team. You know what I'm saying? I mean, no kind of defense. And, 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 and that's not what our lives should resemble in Christ. 
Our Christ should not resemble some type of systemic uh, disunity among the people of God, but a deep sense of unity in the Lord Jesus Christ under God. But then Paul goes forward and he opens up our mind even more as to this idea of fighting for unity. In fighting for unity, he says, but that you be united in the same mind and same judgment. Now, <clears throat> same mind is interesting here. Forgive me for having to do this, but, but in order to make it clear, I, I got I to gotta break down the language here. Now, now the word unity here is, is a multifaceted word, but it's in a perfect middle. Okay? Now, in it being a perfect, meaning at a particular time in the past, unity was already secured. Middle means, since that's been done in the past already, take responsibility for yourself. It's reflexive, meaning do for yourself. In other words, for, for the sake of the community, secure what? Secure what? Unity. The perfect points to the fact that on the cross, Christ went through disunity with the Godhead when he said, Elohi, Elohi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why has thou not forsaken me? In other words, his broken fellowship with the Father was to help us to never have broken fellowship with the Father, but not only never have broken fellowship with the Father, but broken fellowship with one another. So on the cross, Christ secured unity, and now in the ministry of the local church and in the world, we're called to decide for ourselves that we're going to be an agent of unity. It's very, very important. Now, he'll talk in a few chapters later of what happens when someone decides that they're not going to walk in unity, how you deal with them to discipline them, to bring them back into concert with unity. But, but it's never to, to shun them. For, so, so, so it's beautiful here what God points us to in relation to be unified. Now, what does be unified mean? It means be mended. This is powerful. It means be mended together. Mended. It's the same word when, when, when the um, disciples in Luke, it says they were mending their nets or cleaning their nets. Because what happened many times is when you, when you get a big catch, when you catch fish, they get caught in there and they get caught so bad you have to cut the net or, or, or they break the net. And so after they clean the nets and get all the scales out, the pieces of the fish out or whatever, a garbage that's in the water out, they would ha in order to go back out and fish, they had to sew the nets back together in places that had been broken as they were out catching fish. You missed that. In other words, when the church is doing the work of the ministry, there's some mending that gets broken. There's some places that get broken. But the word mend means to restitch back together that to its original design. In other words, the word for united means to restore. It means to put in its it back in its functional, original state of God's intention. See, that's what the church is called to. The, the, the church is called to a ministry of mending, a ministry of stitching, a ministry of hope, which points to a philosophy of the fact that we are a shalom community. Y'all ain't with me. I'm going to preach by myself. We are a shalom community. Shalom doesn't mean the absence of conflict. Never means that in the Old Testament. Shalom doesn't mean that. Shalom means restoration in the midst of conflict. It, it means it means that it means shalom means to restitch things back to God's original design. And, and, and so, and so the, the church in being a unifying community is a mending community. In being a mending community, we are a shalom community. That's why the Bible says, as far as it depends on you. 
As far as it did not, you can't worry about somebody else. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Why? Because you're called as a mending community. Now, I love that. I love the fact that we're called that mending community. It kind of reminds me of, <clears throat> I did a study on a bulletproof vest. I'm a geek like that. And I always want, I say, how in the world does somebody shoot? I was watching some TV show. I don't know if it was CSI or something. Somebody got shot. Went back. I said, man, you know how TV makes stuff up. So I'm like, how is he that close? And boom, he, he just falls back. He bro- his rib got broken, but the bullet didn't penetrate his vital organ. And so what I did, I did a study on, on, on bulletproof vests. And what happened is, is there are these little fibers that alone, you just tear it with your hand. You just take it out and go rip, 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 ripity rip. You can rip it, right? But, 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 but what happened was, though, <laughs> y'all so silly, man. Um, y'all watch too much TV. Um, I ain't watch no TV, but y'all know where y'all got that from. All right. So, <laughs> um, but, but what's interesting is when you weave those fibers together in sheets, and then lay one on top, lay another one on top, lay another one on top, lay another one on top. What happens is, is they're just resting. But as soon as pressure from the outside hits it, the bullet, they spread apart and tighten up. It's like they go, wow, boom, and then they, then they pull together and fight against that which is trying to penetrate it, to destroy what's behind it, because it wasn't until there was pressure, it wasn't until there was stress that their unity got interacted. In other words, pressure makes it stronger, not weaker. In other words, it realized how hard it needs to hold together because it was already connected. See, if it was disconnected from each other, there would have been a break. But because they're already tied to each other, when pressure comes, what, guess what happens? It pulls back and says, you're not getting in here this time. Bullet, you're not coming. Devil, you sent something towards us. You sent, you sent a dart, but we're pushing you back out. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. So unity, we're, we're mended together through Christ, whether you like them or not. Whether you like them or not, because some of you know, Christians don't like Christians sometimes. Oh, y'all, y'all, some of y'all got real quiet on that part. Because, you know, some of us are relationally awkward. Some of our facial artistry is different, but it's not that. Sometimes, and you know, I'm going to just do this for free. I, it, women, now don't get mad at me. It shits me out when women say, Miss V, don't look at me like that. Uh, <laughs> women, <laughs> women, I'm not going to say nothing bad. Women, it's funny when y'all say, I, I get along better with men than I do women because women are messy. Uh, I, I, I wish I could just preach that for like 15 minutes. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know, because cause, 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 I don't want to, Lord, help me right there. Uh, be, 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 um, I would want to get in that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just trying to say, now don't, y'all don't, don't send me no emails, but a lot of the messiness in the church comes from feministic haterade. I, I don't, don't get mad at me. I talk about relational discord. She want to be, I don't know why she want to be in the ministry. She ain't never been in no ministry until he got in the ministry. Now she all over here. Look at her over here. She all in the ministry. All up in his face. All up in his face. You know what I'm saying? 
She's been here three years, ain't served until he came in, waxing eloquent for Jesus. Here she come, right? In other words, there can be, there can be, there can be, because dudes, we just don't bother each other. We got to make each other engage each other. You know what I'm saying? You know, dudes, you like, talk to him. Go talk to him, right? I ain't talking to him. He say something behind it and that God ain't in. You know what I'm saying? I ain't talking to that. You know, and you got to be like, you got to go face that. And then you're like, all right. And then they talk a few words. Men, we're weird. You know, we say a few things. You good? You good? All right, man. I ain't, you know, we're just weird. And it still ain't mended, right? But, 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 <laughs> am I telling the truth? And, and, and so, and so, and so there, there, there is a need. Listen, help me, God. There is a need for you to recognize that there is no such thing as life without confrontation. When you, this for free. When you don't confront somebody talking about you want to keep unity, where your heart is is disunity if you don't confront the issue or the person. You can't be an ostrich all your life. What do ostriches do? When trouble comes, stick their head under. That's just, just a good way to get your head cut off. You have to face issues. And if you're going to be in the church, the church is messy. There's going to have to be reconciliation in relationships. There's going to have to be some mediated talks. You're going to have to work through some. You're not going to find, I'm going to go to this church. Because you see, listen, most of us want to go to the church that seems like it's perfect. There isn't a perfect one. It's just, they're just good at hiding stuff. If you stay somewhere long enough and you get busy enough with sinners, sinners are going to sin against sinners and they're going to need for a mediator to redeem and restore their relationship. So I'm just telling you right now, if you're looking to find a perfect church, this ain't it. We're going to be a mess. We're going to have all kinds of issues. But guess what? We got a good old-fashioned gospel where we can wipe some blood in the middle and say, let's deal with some stuff. Let's deal with some stuff. And you got to, you got to, and, and, and most of the time, God, this is for free, God uses issues in the community for you to deal with your issues. Now, oh, help me, Holy Spirit. Don't let the issues pile up because you'll get overwhelmed and you'll begin to forsake the Lord. So if you, oh, help me, God, but if you deal with issues as they come, You'll, 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 you'll have a vibrant relationship with God because you're allowing him to deal with the messiness of your mess and others, which as he deals with your mess and others' mess, you become better disciples to deal with more messy people as they become believers, as you become progressively less messy. But that's what spiritual growth is. Spiritual growth is becoming progressively less messy. That's it. We are theological and spiritual hoarders that are in need of organizational help. I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. So, so as Paul talks about this whole idea of unity and rest- restoration, uh, uh, you, you know, he, he walks us through uh, the necessity. Oh, I can't talk about that yet. Can I talk about that? Uh, uh, mm. I'm away. I'm away. I'm away. All right. He says, be of the same mind and the same purpose. Yeah, I like this. When he talks about being of the same mind and the same purpose, same mind Interesting. Listen to what the same mind means. I, I was blown away by what this means. It refers to the Christian mindset that may include being able to judge. Now, I'm going to talk about that twice in the book because I'm going to talk about it at the end of chapter 2 and I'm going to talk about it in chapter 6. Because we're going to talk a whole half of the chapter is going to be on judgment in chapter 6. 
rest is going to be on sexual immorality. Chapter 2, the last part of chapter 2, talks about the spiritual man appraises all things or discerns or judges all things. We're going to come back to that. But judging here is interesting because in, in, in the sense of the idea, it means that it takes maturity to do this. Being of the same mind is an act of maturity. Why? Because it means to be able to distinguish good and right from wrong. To be able to tell good from evil, right from wrong. Now, why do I know it's a sign of maturity? Don't turn there, but in Hebrews chapter 11, I mean chapter 5, verse 13, it says the mature believer, having their senses trained, are able to discern the difference between good and evil. And so, uh, uh, and so that's why the Bible says in Romans 12, 2, it says that you may prove what the will of God is. That word prove means to be able to put something under the fiery test of the word of God to be able to tell whether it's of God or not of God. So what happens is when the community is growing in unity, it grows in its ability as a community, not as an individual, as a community, not as an individual, as a community to be able to know what's of God and what's not of God. When people of God get on the same page of what is of God, we can all move in the same mind and the same purpose. Why? Because we're a maturing community. Let me just say this. A church is only mature as it's least mature majority. Always. Most of the time, the New Testament is written to the immature majority. In other words, if you got, a, if you got 200 people in a church, okay, and 150 of them are spiritually immature, the church is spiritually immature. Do you hear me? So therefore, therefore, sometimes the 50 get mad because the 150 is being catered to in order to grow them to where the 50 are. So what happens is, is there needs to be unity on what's God's purpose, that we, not you, we may be conformed to the image of Christ. So that means our agenda for a while may have to be put on hold in order to deal with the immature majority. But most people make decisions about being on at a ministry or a church because of their view of the church being an immature majority, which with you having the attitude towards it means that you're probably, if you joined it, is part of the immature majority. Are y'all hearing me today? And so, and, so, and so our goal is to have a majority maturity. Majority maturity. And, and, and we fight for that, but that happens through unity. That happens to us working together. And this is having the same purpose. It's interesting that, that most sermons on purpose is about individual purpose of a person. But the goal of God is not to have your individual purpose exalted. Ever. Help me, God. If you go through the Bible, get out of concordance one day or pull up the Holy Bible app, pull it up and pull up purpose in the Bible and show me in the context clues of that passage how many times it was about individual purpose or was about the purpose of the people of God. It's not just about your divine purpose and your season. It's not about my, my season is about, my season is about to come. God just told me my season. Hey, my, it ain't about your season. And about your season. See, we, we, uh, this is for free too. We have such a me-ism in our Christianity that we don't think of everybody benefiting just us. That's so American too. That's so American. We, 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 you know, the only way we, we want to be remembered by the person that galvanized something but not being in the trenches of something. 
I wish I had time to just talk about that. I'm, I'm still on the first point. I got 11 minutes left, but I'm just trying to let you, I'm trying to, we, we really need in Jesus' name to see the broader purpose of the body. But it takes individuals taking individual responsibility with community responsibility to execute that. That's why we need everybody in the right place. Anyway, I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. Help us today, Father. Okay, next point. Second point (laughs) out of three. All right. Find points. Find points and engage points of disunity. Find points and engage points of disunity. I love this. Um, he says, now this, is, this, this sounds so funny to me. He said, for it is reported to me by Chloe's people. That means somebody snitched, right? <laughs> this, this sounds just messy. Don't it, this whole situation, just the whole clause sounds messy. Now, now, Chloe got people. You know, she got a little entourage. You know what I'm saying? Some folk that she be chopping it up with, my people, you know what I'm saying? And in order to get to them, you got to go through, you know, that whole situation. But, but, but what's interesting, you know, they didn't get the stop snitching memo, you know what I'm saying? That we had with the t-shirts that was down at the clothespin back in the day, a few, few years ago. But it says, it says, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you. That's fighting. Then he says, my brothers. Y'all get that? It's almost like he threw that at the end, like, pow, I just want to let y'all know y'all brothers, but y'all fighting. Y'all having a sibling quarrel. You know, I get sick of my sons all day. Oh, oh my God, help me in Jesus. Two boys, I don't know. I don't know about boy and girl, but two boys all day. Manny, you shut up. Man, you're getting up. And it just drives me nuts. And and it's nothing, you're trying to get them to work together. Because they're like, when when y'all just going to have each other when y'all get older. And so God, and through Paul, is trying to help the body of Christ think through these. And now, he says, he says, what I mean is each of you, uh, what I mean is that each, uh, each one of you says, I am of or I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. I follow Christ. Now, check this out. This is interesting because they're talking about who baptized them or whatever and who they, it, but, but, but basically these are different factions. Now, you have to understand that Paul was the theologian. So Paul was the dude that, based on redemptive history, um, what happened was, is because he knew Tanakh, law, prophets, writings, when he became a believer and Christ got inserted to his theology, it was just like everything became clear. So he became, because of his Pharisaic background, he became a beast in the scriptures. Like, you know, I, I'm always jealous of Jews that grow up in Torah and then they become Christians. They be talking about all this stuff. I'd be like, dang, y'all killing me right now. I'd be about to run through a run up Broad Street somewhere. So blown away by the insight that God gives them. Um, but Paul's like the theological dude. So you had a group of people that all they wanted was theology. Then you had then you I know that don't happen here. Then you had Apollos. Then you had Apollos. Now, Apollos was the, was the rhetorician. You know, he can say that thing, like they say in the old church. He, can he preach? Can he preach, baby? Can he, can he tell a story? Doc, he can tell a story. Apollos could, see, y'all, y'all, y'all don't know about that. See, Apollos could tell a story, but not only could he tell a story, he was an exegete. So he had content and a close. He was cold, right? You know, you know, you know, you know, he'll give Roman the Jews. He said, and if you look over in Isaiah, huh, I saw in chapters 1 through 40, where you see a Deutero Isaiah. Somebody ought to hear me. Uh, and then, then, then the Jews going like this, talk, doc, talk. You know, 
And so he exegetically and monstrositously showing them, it said, and he refuted people showing them that Jesus was the Christ. So not only was he a rhetorician, but he had content, which that was just a lethal, lethal dose. But then he had to be corrected by Priscilla and Aquila, right? But it's interesting, you have the theological people, but then you want people that just want good preaching. This is who you got in the church. Now, I don't know that don't happen here, but then, <laughs> then you got Cephas, the I am of Cephas. These are the Cephasites, I call them. And these are the people that like epistemology. In other words, they like the beginnings and stuff. Oh, Peter was at the beginning. And he said, you know, if you read Peter and you understand Peter's vernacular as it relates to his time with Jesus. In other words, they like the history of stuff. So those are your historical theology people. Then down here, you got I am of Christ. Now, you would think, how can people of Christ, that say I'm of Christ be divisive? These are the people, and even the, the theologians agree with me, they, 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 they believe that they don't need anybody helping them to grow spiritually. The, the I am of Christ says, you don't need to teach me, I got Jesus, that's all I need. Get out of my face, I got my time, I got my time with him, I got my relationship with me, why I need a prophet, you know, I don't need no prophet. If God ain't tell me, you don't tell me, if he don't tell me, I ain't gonna listen, right? That's those folk. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I don't listen to everything they say to me. I, I got to go for God by myself. Yeah. Now, that's partially true, but not biblical. It sounds cute, <laughs> but biblically, it never says go for yourself. Show me in the Bible where it says everything in the faith has to be shown to you by yourself for yourself. That's not even... Wait, wait. Now, there are points where people met Jesus, for, but it's not the whole of the faith. So we got these individuals. So you got the individualists. I just, I, all I need is Jesus. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be involved in a life group. I don't need no preaching. I don't need nothing. It's just me and Jesus and by myself. Then you got the theologians. They want everything to be deep every Sunday. Every Sunday, it's got to be a deep. They got to go head hurting like this, taking medicine, taking medicine, going like, God, dog, it, that was deep. Man, give me some Vicodin. Ah, you know. You know, you just gone. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> then, you, then you got the people that like the rhetoric. Doc, he said that thing, Doc. Then the theologian said, what did he teach on? I don't know, but he was killing. He was killing. He was killing it. He wrecked the house. I was running. Why? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is key. This is key. If you have the people who specialize in different parts, utilize their specialties together versus making it a point of divisiveness, what would the church be? If the, if, if, if the theologian said, you know, um, y'all of Christ people, y'all pretty shallow, Let's teach you how to look at the scriptures. They'd be like, all right, I don't like that you said, I don't like theology, but we need to teach you how to spend time with God because y'all don't know how to spend time with God. Y'all just spend time with books, books, books. You're on Amazon every day, books. You're at the, at the library, books, books, books. Let's help you, you help us. All right. Then you're like, but y'all need to know how to, you know, y'all need to know how to communicate what God says. So you have the rhetoricians come and say, you can't just have the theology and spend time with Jesus. You got to know how to communicate that. Amen. Then, then, then you got the Cephas like, well, let's see where all of this came from so that when we get with the Muslims and they ask, how do we get the Bible in our hands and that it's been changed, we can be able to communicate that to them in that way. See, if everybody who got all of those different factious philosophies came together and said, intent on one purpose, disciple making. 
just say, see, you got to get to a point in the, in the body of Christ where you say it ain't about me and my preference. See, mo- mo- most of us have a preference-based relationship with the local church. And what we want to do is what we're about that's lopsided, always usually lopsided, we want to create for us. That's what the Bible talks about. We, oh, help me, God. When we bring around us people who are like us. And if you bring people around you that's the same as you, you'll always remain the same. I said something right there. You should have wrote that down. You should have tweeted that three times. If you get, let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you right now. If everybody's around you black, you're going to remain the same. Everybody around you white, you're going to remain the same. If everybody around you only read, you ain't going to say that. If everybody around you just like to be alone, like those people are different, but if you want to be just alone, but we need them too. They need to teach us solitude or something, Sabbath or something, daily office. But we, 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 we really... <clears throat> but there's, there's this sense, but the issue is the church splits because people who are about a good thing make their good thing the main thing. <laughs> and, 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 so, and so our role is to say, how does all of this work together? My brother is a phenomenal mechanic. Uh, I mean, he is a monstrous mechanic. But even, he's a foreman, he's got 40, over 40, he got probably, nah, yeah, 40, over 40 years of experience. And he has different departments under them. He got the ones that work on the engines, the catalytic converters, and the, the transmission specialists. Then he got under him the people to do the stuff like the muffler, the oil pans, and all of that. Then he got the, the collision specialists, and then he got the people that install radios and do stuff on it. Now, what if the people who install radios say, man, this is the only thing we need to be doing? People coming in there with engines needing help, they're like, man, I'm just putting a radio here, man. I don't even know, right? Here. But what, because why? All of them are just different parts of a whole that work together to please the owner of the car. That's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a community that works together in departments of the church to please the owner of the body of Christ. That's, that's, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. But as, as you go down, but as, you, as you go down, what's interesting is that Paul in verse 15 Paul in verse 15 says, he says, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. He said, I didn't baptize none of y'all. He said, but, but the house of Stephanus, maybe. Beyond that, you hear Paul's just his statement. Paul had it, y'all don't understand. For 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Paul, Paul was hot. And Paul was hot when he was writing to them. You can sense it off the text. He says, behold, he said, is he beyond that? I don't, I don't know whether or not I baptize anyone else, right? <laughs> so, so I mean, I mean, I want y'all to just, just for free too. Read the Bible. Read the Bible, recognizing this is not a boring book. It's so epic, and it's people have chip on their shoulders in a holy way. Anyway, look at verse seventeen as we close. He says, "For Christ did not need, uh, did not send me to baptize." Now, what he's saying here is he's not saying that baptism isn't important. He's saying my primary purpose wasn't to bring baptism. So the thing that you see, that y'all are about baptism. That's what he's saying here. Y'all are about that and splitting over 
one issue of baptism. Who baptized you? And based on that, you're latching onto them. But he said, I didn't even come for that reason. He said, I came. He said, but I came to preach the gospel. And so, and so he said, he said, he said, he said, why would I come? He said, baptism won't make sense without the gospel. Because baptism is an expression to show that the gospel has been accepted, not you're accepted by being baptized. Are you tracking with me? He says, and not with words of eloquent wisdom. He said, because I know y'all like people that can say that thing. He said, I know that. He said, and on purpose, I didn't say that thing. He said, why did I do that? He said, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. He said, I didn't want you to mistake my ability to communicate to overshadow the content of the communication. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? So, so, so that's why they told, in 2 Corinthians, you're going to hear them say, Paul ain't a good preacher. He can't preach. They like, that dude, skinny, beat up from trials, and he can't preach. He, he don't have nice clothes. You got to understand the Corinthians were carnal. Like, if you didn't have nice gear and you didn't have vernacular that was like, you know, like, like I love to hear Thor talk. Y'all, I don't know y'all know about Thor. Hi, thee. Hi, thee. I'll smite thee right at thy feet. I like, because that, that's like that fly talk, right? You know what I'm saying? And then imagine somebody like in a nice tweed suit, banging wingtips, nice, nice dog on, clacow, pinky ring, clacoki, nice, you know, you know what I'm saying? And you like, and then he starts talking, hi, how are they? How are you doing? You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh my goodness. But what I'm saying, so you're just going to be like, what did you say? I don't even know what you say. I'm just looking at you, right? But what's interesting, what's interesting is Paul says, I, I, I want to make sure that you're clear on the gospel. That's what the church is about. Making sure that the gospel is clear. Not that the preacher, not that the preacher impresses you linguistically. Not, 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 I mean, I really want you to get this. The, the church, if we, if people enjoy the message, that's it. We've lost them. If people enjoy the worship only now, We've lost them. If people say, I, in, another, in other words, if we create, we don't, we're, not, we're not creating a consumeristic atmosphere yeah. to create a palatable disposition so that people can like being here. Yeah. But, the God, but, but people must, if, if you walk away from here and, 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 and we say, okay, give me the gospel. How do you know you're saved? Well, you know, man, I, you know, I got baptized when I was 12, and, and man, you know, I just been, a, I, all I can remember is being in church, you know? I just been in church all my life, you know? I was an alkalite, you know, I, I mean, how can I not be a Christian, right? We've lost it. But, but our goal is to make sure that everybody in here say, how do you know you're saved? If you died today, and you were standing before Christ, and he said, why should I let you into my kingdom? What would you say? Well, I'm born a sinner, all of us, born sinners, and just like me, uh, and Christ came from heaven to earth to take on God's anger towards me being sinful on the cross so that when he died on the cross and got beat up for me, um, um, God's anger is taken out on him instead of me. That way I don't spend time in hell forever to pay for what Christ already paid for on the cross. Then on the third day he got up 
from the grave, and so now I can live a new life. Why? Because I had faith in Christ alone for salvation, man. So that's why I'm saved. That's what we want you to walk away with. And if you don't understand that you're not his, if you're not, you don't, if you're here because of any other reason, you don't know him. Because you must be able, when, if you cannot articulate the gospel, not like somebody else, but it's a clear understanding that you are a sinner and that Christ's blood makes you. If you do not understand, we, we failed. So Paul says, I didn't want the cross to be emptied of its power by me cluttering it with too much of me. So today, maybe... Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ as Savior. You've never come into a relationship with him. And you, you don't know him as Savior. You, you haven't trusted what I just shared <coughs> in this latter portion. Every head bow, every eye closed.